Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Realm presents The Witch Who Came In From The Cold, Season 1, Episode 32. Zarena knew something was wrong the moment she entered the bakery. Knew it so deeply, so automatically, that her conscious mind lagged several seconds behind her instincts. But she went through the usual motions for the benefit of the mundane customers— her body coasting through the formalities while her mind calculated. With a peck of the lips on each of Kumietsky's stubbly cheeks, she muttered pleasantries. As usual, he smelled ever so faintly of alcohol. So good to see you again, Sasha. His response was heartier, more sincere. The pleasure is entirely mine. And that was the moment she caught up with herself. His smile, she realized. Sasha's smile was genuine. The bakery smelled of cinnamon and freshly risen bread. Normally, that melange would have made her stomach growl with longing. Instead, it curdled. But she kept her mask in place. I hadn't expected to see you again so soon. Translation, we'd agreed not to contact each other. She made to sit, but he laid a hand on her shoulder. Dear God, now he was being positively familiar with her, and ushered her toward the gap in the counter. Exchanging nods with the woman at the register, he said, Nor I, you, honestly, but I just knew you'd want to see this. Zarena let him guide her from the shop into the kitchen. I've baked a few cakes in my day, you know, The process is no mystery to me. He laughed, truly laughed. Something was wrong. She kept up a bright patter, distracting him while she twisted her wedding ring through a half circle. Every charm on her person, the garnets in her earrings, the ancient coin tucked in her clutch, even the silver threads sewn into the hem of her coat gave a single faint jerk, as if acknowledging their activation. Let him try to kill her. Her protective wards would burn his bones to ash. She'd render this bakery, 
this entire street a howling firestorm before she'd allow a pudgy alcoholic like Alexander Vadimovich Gomietsky to believe he could best her. He took her to the walk-in pantry. There, on a table, a long length of cheesecloth concealed a bundle the size of a breadbasket. Karel and Vladimir leaned against the wall. Her junior acolytes, now eyeing her as if they thought they were sizing up her throne for themselves. That gave her pause. Sasha alone, she could defeat. Karel and Vladimir too, she'd outwitted before. But all three? Hoping the men would dismiss it as a nervous tick, she gave her wedding ring another twist. This time, the confirmatory shake from her charms filled her mouth with the tongue-writhing foulness of moldy bread. Sasha waited to speak until the door was closed, and Karel had propped a chair under the knob. Zarena recognized the static electricity tingle of a protective ward snapping into place. Then, Sasha strode to the table and laid a hand on the cheesecloth. She rolled her eyes. Perhaps she'd die of boredom with this tedious showmanship before he tried to kill her. Frowning, he ran his tongue around the inside of his mouth. Zarena watched it bulge first one cheek, then the other. Damn, he tasted it too. She'd gone overboard. Are you dense? There's no need. I merely have information to share. This isn't how we do it. No. But this is urgent, and it affects us all. She eyed the other two. The tension in the way they leaned against the shelves, the glances flicking back and forth between them. Aha, you don't know what Komietsky is about either. Maybe I won't have to scorch this place to the ground. Sasha was many things, but no fool. And he'd never be so foolish as to attack all three of us at once. She waited for one of the buffoons to rise to Sasha's bait. It took but a second. Vladimir crossed his arms. We're all here now. What is it? At least Sasha had the courtesy to dispense with preambles. There's a defector in Prague, and the CIA already hears him. Zarena didn't have to feign surprise. Then I'd say you have quite a problem on your hands, but I can't help you. This is your mess. What could I possibly do? Why nothing? With a yank of the cloth, Sasha added, you've already done little enough. The hidden item was a radio. A recent conversation, a conversation about a radio, came unbidden to mind. Zarena didn't like where this was going. Corel jerked his chin toward the table. Are we supposed to understand the significance of that? Examine it. Sasha spread his arms. Be my guest. Take a good close look. He met Zarena's eyes. It's perfectly safe, I assure you. It was the work of moments to perceive the foreign magic lurking within. The radio was a construct, and a subtle one. This is the work of an ice sorcerer, a very fine one. Where did you obtain this? I found it hidden behind a secret panel in dear Tanya's apartment. Since that time, she has gone to great lengths to retrieve it. 
I, of course, have deflected such efforts. It took superior willpower not to shiver visibly as a frisson of genuine alarm tickled her spine. Sasha had inquired about this very same radio, acting on instinct, on the sense of great untapped potential within Tatiana Morozova. Zarena had recklessly improvised an excuse to help shield the young officer from suspicion. A foolish gamble, she knew, even as she had made it. But in the moment, the potential dividends had looked so rich. Now that careless lie was laid bare, and it made it look as though Zarena had deliberately interceded to conceal an ICE operation being carried out by one of Sasha's own officers. Though she doubted Karel and Vladimir understood the context, the implication was clear enough. This was a coup attempt, or worse. But she played along, spooled things out a little further. She needed the delay to regain her equilibrium. I do hope you intend to start making sense today. It was Tanya who identified the defection in progress. She's a very fine officer but she's clearly an agent, wittingly or otherwise, of our enemies. She must go. His jowls shimmied when he shook his head. I truly dislike this course of action, even more than I dislike having it thrust upon me. Carell crossed his arms. I'm sure you don't dislike it any more than we dislike being kept in the dark. Wait your turn, said Zarena. While the adults speak, she needed no charm to summon a tone of voice capable of knocking a disobedient cur into instant submission. Vladimir and Karel both bristled. Nevertheless, the latter's teeth clicked together. In a tone infinitesimally less frosty, she added, thrust upon you, do explain. We relied upon you. It was your job to monitor our adversaries and keep us informed of their disposition in Prague. We trusted you. Again, the jowls shimmied. Sasha, the hapless victim. Instead, you allowed an enemy agent to infiltrate my station. Had I not uncovered the truth myself, the damage could have been incalculable. He turned to the others pulling a charm from his trouser pocket as he did so. She knew without looking what it would be. A jade green hummingbird feather threaded through a minute hole in a lodestone, all bound with silver wire. Hummingbird, because truth was so light and fragile. Silver to reflect the value of honesty. A beautiful, deadly thing. I call upon you both to witness this. I vouch that Zarena Pulnok did state Tatiana Morozova's ownership of this radio was harmless and of no concern to our efforts. I vouch that, to the best of my knowledge, Zarena knowingly concealed the ICE affiliation of a KGB officer under my command and did so to the detriment of all our efforts in Prague. He pressed the charm to his lips. He bit the feather pulled it loose, and spat it on the floor. It didn't burst into flames. Neither did he. He'd spoken the truth. Or if nothing else, the truth as he understood it. I submit that Zarena Polnok is not suited for her position. 
Vladimir frowned at the emerald pinion. Karel frowned at Zarena. Do you deny this? I deny that my actions were taken in support of ice. I have reasons for everything I do. Yet you never share them. You share very little with us, Vladimir added. Under other circumstances, she would have rolled her eyes at his petulant tone. She quirked an eyebrow. Such as? We know a host has recently arrived. This we discerned for ourselves. You never mentioned it. Sasha flinched as if he'd just received a static shock. Is this true? The look of scorn she tossed in his direction might have flayed a thinner man down to the skeleton. I thought you no longer trusted my pronouncements. You'll move against Morozova soon, I assume. I must. This is a delicate time. With a defection in progress, and now apparently an uncolored host roaming the city, the risks of keeping her under observation outweigh the benefits. Sasha straightened. The shift in his body language was subtle, but deliberate. When he spoke next, his voice wasn't that of a jolly uncle, nor was it that of a mealy-mouthed sycophant. I will lament the loss of her skills, but she must be removed. And so she will be. You've undergone because you believe she's my creature. Well then, perhaps I will make her so. I see, she said, and what she hoped was a convincingly meek tone. It wasn't one she practiced often. Cling to your illusions, Alexander Komietsky. They serve us both. May I make a suggestion, then? It was galling, honestly, how he managed to load a single nod with such condescending magnanimity. But she swallowed her distaste. We already have the tools in place for dealing with Morozova. She didn't take her eyes, a supplicant's eyes, she hoped, from Sasha, but she jerked her head toward the other flame men, who eyed the exchange like caged canaries, watching a pair of hungry house cats tear at each other. Use one of their constructs. Doing so will leave your hands clean. Vladimir and Karel exchanged a guilty look. Artless idiots. We don't have, oh please. She let the disdain fly free. She could play the supplicant to Sasha if she must, but she'd never bend a knee to these idiots. Karel squirmed as though the hoarfrost in her tone had glazed his spine. Don't insult me. The very moment you suspected there might be a new host in town, you tripped over yourselves to build constructs to hunt it. Your latest has roamed the town for several nights. To Sasha, she added, I'm not entirely uninformed about the goings-on in Prague, you know. He scratched his chin. A construct. Yes, that might do. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Two. A floorboard creaked. Josh cocked his head, briefly splitting his attention between the window overlooking the street and the room behind him. How is he? sleeping like a newborn kitten at his mother's teat. Dominic's voice was a gravelly rasp in the dark. The door to the safe house's only bedroom closed behind him with a quiet click. I'd have thought Sokolov would be too keyed up to sleep. I guess the adrenaline rush wore off? Not mine, though. Not yet. Guess so. Or maybe it was the knockout drops I spiked his water glass with after we arrived. That stole all of Josh's attention. His chair scraped across the floor as he pushed away from the window to stare at Dom, who had taken a seat at the kitchen table. The room was small enough that a stage whisper carried. Chloral hydrate? That wasn't in the mission brief. Dom shrugged. I made a situational judgment call. We need Sokolov clear-headed and calm. He's neither of those things as long as he's coasting on a sleep deficit. But what if we have to move him in a hurry? I'm not worried. You're a good man in the field, Toms. I'm confident we'd make it work. Josh blushed, grateful for the shadows. He tried not to let the compliment swell his chest or his head. I suppose it does make sense that he rests sooner rather than later. Dom nodded. Mission briefs are all fine and good. Hey, I wrote this one after all. But field work is always about thinking on your feet. He pulled a cigar from the inner pocket of his sport coat. He didn't light it, thank God, but he did hold it under his nose. A few sniffs later, he added, Always have a contingency plan in your back pocket. And a contingency for your contingency.
The cigar made its way to the corner of his mouth. Speaking past it, Dom concluded. I mean, contingencies that aren't laid out in the mission brief. Your own personal plans, B, C, and D for when it all goes to hell. Has that ever happened to you? Everything gone to hell, I mean? And then some. Josh chewed on this. He tried not to look too eager for advice. You can't plan for everything, but you might as well try, huh? Dom shrugged again. Nothing you haven't heard from Pritchard a dozen times or more. Hmm. Josh turned his attention back to the approach to the safe house. If unfriendly showed up, he and Dom would have to shove the disconnected oven aside and scramble out through the crawl space. He was still trying to figure out how they'd managed to extricate an unconscious Maxime if that happened when Dom stood. Carrying his chair, he joined Josh's vigil at the window. Get some rest, Dom. I'll spell you. I couldn't sleep if you gave me twice the dose you gave Maxim. Sure, I appreciate it. Yet Dom's gaze didn't waver from the street. The curtains hid them from outside eyes, yet up close in a dark room, the window offered a good view of the alley. He cleared his throat, as if hesitating. Hey, Josh, before I turn in, I know I've been a little heavy-handed with you. About, well about things that are none of my damn business. Josh tensed. A prickle took root between his shoulders, auguring an uncomfortable conversation. The cigar tapped against Dom's teeth, making a muted scrape as he rolled it from one corner of his mouth to the other. You did fine work tonight. That's all I care about. You're okay by me. A spot of motion on the street gave Josh an excuse to turn his head. There it was again. He stood, leaned closer to the window, catching his weight on the sill so that he didn't disturb the curtain. He craned his neck, hissing. Did you see that? Easy, cowboy, Dom pointed. Newspaper. The wind picked up. A dust devil carried a piece of paper down the alley, a scrap of newsprint, darker on one side than the other. It flickered in the street lamp shine. Josh returned to his seat, blushing again, but not from pride. At least he hadn't knocked over the chair. As if reading his thoughts, the other man said, better safe than sorry. They shared a silent vigil. Perhaps a quarter hour passed. Nobody entered the alley. Not even a stray dog piddling on the corner lamppost. Dom yawned. Josh fought down a sympathetic yawn of his own. He was about to reiterate his offer to spell Dom when the other man broke the silence. Ask you something? Josh tried to emulate one of Dom's shrugs, that easy nonchalance. Hit me. Dom's meaty hand curled into a fist. If you say so, chief. He reared back as if winding back for a haymaker. Josh flinched. Dom broke into a grin, slapped him on the back. Nah, I'm just shitting you. He allowed himself a little chuckle. This time of night, people get punky. Once the excitement passes, the crash is hard. Gotta keep it interesting. Gabe wasn't wrong about Dom. 
The guy could be an obnoxious jingoist. But that didn't make him so terrible. Dom was all right, in his own blustery way. Did you actually have a question? The other man nodded. Pritchard. Again, it was like he'd just read Josh's thoughts. What's his deal? Josh tore his attention from the alley. It wasn't as difficult as it had been half an hour ago. I don't understand the question. Does he make everybody work hard to get on his good side, or just me? I don't. That's not my experience with Gabe. Just me, then. Dom pursed his lips. The cigar made another circuit of his mouth. Josh wouldn't have pegged him for the kind of guy with easily hurt feelings. But then again, how well could you really know somebody? Appearances were deceiving. Josh chastised himself. Of all people, he should carry that truth deep in his marrow. Every part of his work, every part of his life rested upon it. Dom honestly looked put out. Josh sought a comforting word. But before he found it, Dom's blustery mask fell back in place. Don't get me wrong, he's good. I've got no problem with his work. I'm just trying to figure his angles. Honestly, you're overthinking it. Gabe doesn't have a lot of angles. Everybody has angles, son. Well, there was that strangeness earlier this winter. But that had passed. If anything, as Anchises' prep moved into high gear, Gabe had been more solid than at any time since Josh had known. How long have you known him? Josh reeled. This was getting downright uncanny. How the hell do you do that? Do what? It's like you're reading my mind. If I could do that, I wouldn't bother asking questions. Josh flipped through the pages of a mental calendar. I've worked with Gabe for about a year, I suppose. There you go, then. He's known you long enough to feel comfortable. But I'm the new guy. He's got to keep me at arm's length. I get it. I'd do the same thing in his shoes. Dom took the cigar from his mouth and frowned at it, shaking his head as though ruining the fundamental injustice of the world. He added more quietly, I'll tell you this much. It's a load of BS that the company quacks have so much power to derail a guy's career over nothing. Especially a solid guy like Pritchard. Josh's antennae went up. His stifled yawn took a back seat to sudden alertness. He rubbed his eyes. Partially because they stung, but partially to give himself a few extra moments to parse Dom's meaning. Quacks? You mean doctors? The Langley breed. Josh chewed on this while the last stars disappeared from the sky. Somewhere, a municipal electrical timer registered the diurnal cycle and triggered a relay, and a split second later, the electric street lamp blanked off. Josh wondered how long it had been since an ancient city like this had actual lamplighters roaming the streets every dusk and dawn. Idle speculations like these were more comfortable than unraveling Dom's insinuations. The silence stretched under its own weight, until, like an unwieldy glob of saltwater taffy, it snapped free of its hook and plopped on the floor. 
Aw, shit, Toms, please tell me I ain't telling tales outside of school. Don't worry about it. The perfunctory reassurance sounded particularly brittle to Josh's own ears. Damn, man. I mean, you're his partner, for Christ's sakes. I figured if he confided in anybody, it'd be you. Dom fished a handkerchief from the inner pocket of his coat. One corner was slightly browned with tobacco juice. Wrapping it around the cigar, he said, I really stepped in it, didn't I? I'm gonna slink away now and give myself a solid sock in the jaw. I'll spell you in a few. He turned to go. Meanwhile, Josh's memory revisited a hit parade of Gabe's greatest moments. Fallout from the Drahomir bungle. The fiasco with the cops that cold morning on the Stare Miesto. Strange interactions with that bartender at the Vodnar. Not to mention with that honey blonde Kaje Besnik and her Amazonian pal. Over his shoulder, he said, Dom, hold up a sec. Then again, Alistair seemed to know Gabe a bit. He would have warned Josh if he perceived a problem with his partner, wouldn't he? Not only because they were allies against the Iron Curtain, but also because of their connection. They had a connection, didn't they? Dom hovered on the boundary between the kitchen and sleep. Josh deliberated. The other officer yawned so widely, the hinge of his jaw popped like an arthritic knuckle. Josh made his choice. I, uh, I didn't know doctors were involved. Which was true. He phrased it to imply that he knew stuff. Oh, sure, he knew stuff. Just not, you know, the doctor part. Arms crossed, leaning against the window frame, Dom pursed his lips, as though choosing his words carefully. I suppose you have a right to know. It affects your career as long as you two are attached at the hip. He shrugged. Everyone, really. I know he had a rough patch this winter, but he's only human. We all have those. Of course. I'm not pointing any fingers, okay? But an op like this. Dom cocked his head toward the closed bathroom door, from which emanated a faint snoring. I have to be extra careful. I gotta know my team inside and out. I take my job and its responsibilities seriously. Seriously as cancer. So if I'd seen anything that made me doubt his or your or anybody's abilities, I'd have scotched the whole thing. I didn't, and that should tell you what I think of Drummond's team at Prog Station. But when I caught wind of Pritchard's rough patch, I dug around. I know some guys. I got a copy of his file. You know some guys? Guys who could get you a classified personnel file like it was no big deal? And? You've heard he was stationed in Cairo before this, right? He doesn't talk about it much, but yeah, I gather it was pretty dull. Uh-huh, that's the party line. I'm sure he wants everybody to think that. Drummond knows it's a bullshit smokescreen. Don't you buy it either. You know why his tour in Egypt ended? Never asked. Try it sometime and watch how he answers. Dom leaned closer, dropped his voice to a true whisper. He doesn't know either. That's crazy. 
You tell me. Pritchard's trailing a guy. Everything's normal. Doing his thing, doing it well. Until right there on the street, bam, blacks out. Dom punctuated the story with a snap of his fingers. The report echoed like a gunshot. Both officers waited, listening, until the low drone of Maxime's snoring resumed its rhythm. Wakes up some time later, raving like a loon. No memory of what happened. Cairo ships him home for observation. For the most part, he seems okay, except every once in a while. But Pritchard twists a few arms, calls in a few favors, wheedles another posting in the field. He's not 100%, though, is he? Not always. A simple statement. It wasn't like he was revealing a secret. Everybody knew about the incident with the cops. So why did it feel like he was betraying a trust? But like I said, everybody hits a rough patch. Everybody gets a nosebleed once in a while. Not everybody bleeds from the friggin' eyes, pal. Holy shit, really? When did that happen? A little while ago. To his credit, he shrugged it off like it was a mosquito bite. Not before I just about had a heart attack, though. You've never seen that? I, uh, I've seen Gabe have, I don't know. I thought maybe it was a seizure. I knew he'd been in Nam. I just assumed he'd picked up something in the jungle. A parasite, maybe. These seizures, they getting worse? No, actually. He's been in better shape recently than practically any time since I've known him. Well, that's something. You've noticed the flask. Oh, that. Josh chuckled in relief. That's not what you think. He's not a drunk. I know. I confronted him about it. But that's just it. I could understand a guy who drinks under the table. You think he'd be the first tippler in the clandestine service? Kid, you ever get sent on a tour of the real backwaters, and I hope you don't, you'll see seasoned officers behaving in ways that'll curl your toes. He shook his head. You gotta admit, even for a superstition, it's a strange one. Before his weary mind could catch up and rein in his mouth, Josh heard himself say, Alistair Winthrop carries a flask. He flinched. But Dom conceded the point. True, those two do spend a lot of time together. That wasn't what Josh meant. But Dom wasn't wrong, come to think of it. Outside, the first car of the day blurred past the alley. Prague was waking up. Josh clenched his jaw, fighting to keep a traitorous yawn penned in solitary. What do you think happened to Gabe? Couldn't say, Dom shrugged. Not my place either. But hey, like I said, he's a good officer, solid guy. If he chose not to bring you inside on it, I'm sure he had a good reason. I'm sure. But if you're not trusting me with this, Gabe, what else might you be keeping from me? Why do you always look like a kid caught with his hand in the cookie jar every time you find yourself in the same room with that KGB chippy? Where do you go when I can't find you? Dom yawned again. I gotta hit the hay. You're okay out here for a couple more hours? Sure. I'll make some coffee. I'll spell you in two. Dom went straight to the couch. 
The springs creaked. His eyelids fell like a boom. Then he cracked them again, briefly. Hey, Toms, this was just between you and me, right? I like Prague. I'm not the type to crap where I eat, you know? Sure, I know. You're listening to The Witch Who Came In From The Cold, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. The Witch Who Came In From The Cold is created by Max Gladstone and written by Max Gladstone, Lindsay Smith, Cassandra Rose Clark, Ian Tregellis, and Michael Swanwick. Performed by Christine Lakin and John Glushevich. Directed by Dennis Keo. Produced by Julian Yap and Marco Palmieri. Associate Producers Corey Barton and Devin Shepard. Executive Produced by Molly Barton. Audio Production by Literati Audio. Audio Editing by Evan Arnett and Fred Koch. Mixing and Mastering by Jeremy Wesley. Original Music by Katherine Anderson. Find more shows like this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.